0: the big church podcast what's up refuge you guys can go ahead and be seated Thank you. those of you that don't know me i met a couple of new people tonight my name is Alyssa peak and i am the leader here at the refuge and i have an awesome team um so quick question i want y'all to raise your hand if you trust me oh my i'm blown away all right all right so i'm gonna ask you to do something i'm gonna ask you to close your eyes and I'm gonna need you to trust me for this part. So everyone, close your eyes. Okay, so I'm gonna put you somewhere and I want you to imagine it. So right now, I want you to imagine the first day you started driving, when you went to take your driver's test. Are you guys there? Give me a little nod when you're there. Yeah, yeah, Zach, you're not there. <laughs> Okay, so we're there, you're probably, you got the windows up, you got the radio off, you're sitting straight up, you got that good posture because you're stressed, you're probably sweating a little bit, right? I was sweating when I took my driver's test, I don't know about y'all. And let me ask you a question, where were your hands? What position? <laughs> Ten and two. That's right, Ashley. (laughs) Okay, so we start at ten and two. That's where we start when we learn to drive. And what happens is as we start getting confident, we keep driving, we keep driving, and we start uh, rolling the windows down, turning the radio up. You know how it is. I like that country music in the summer with the windows down. That's how you do it. And uh, You probably, ladies, ladies, you probably have your foot up on the dash. That's the most comfortable position ever, let me tell you. I wouldn't recommend. It's not safe. But then what happens is you get away from 10 and 2 as you get comfortable, and you start driving with one hand. Maybe drive with your knee a little bit. Guys, I don't know. I don't know. Y'all got that pride issue, so you think you can do anything. (laughs) P. Richie back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the problem with this is when we go from 10 and two to one hand, what happens when an unforeseen circumstance comes maybe it starts pouring rain maybe a car swerves into your lane and the problem here is that you're going to lose control more easily so when you're at 10 and 2 the position you started in that's where you have the most control and and as Christians that's what happens to us we start here in humility and as we go we start getting more and more confident we start standing up and we're like ah. I got this all on my own. I can do this. I don't need the Lord, even though that's what you're supposed to be doing. And and what happens, just like in the car, when an unforeseen circumstance comes, it knocks you out, it pushes you off the road. When that unforeseen diagnosis happens, you get knocked out of control. When that relationship ends, it causes you to lose control, or maybe it's an unexpected death, and it causes you to lose control. And, and as it happens to all of us, I gotta get a drink. I got like caught in mouth. Sorry. <laughs> Must have been that bang energy. <laughs> So I am gonna take you through a story in the Bible where this happened. And I'm not gonna give you points tonight. I'm gonna ask you questions. Instead, that way, when you get convicted, you can't be blaming me. It's gonna be the Holy Spirit. And I'm giving you questions because the Lord tells you to examine your heart. I'm not gonna do it for you. You got it, Kelly. Yeah, you. And and my goal is not to educate you, The goal is for you to encounter Jesus. I want you to walk out different from when you walked in those doors. And the only way for that to happen is when you have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. So I'ma pray real quick, all right? Bow your heads. Holy Spirit, come, amen. That'll do it. (laughs) Okay, so we're gonna talk about Saul tonight. And if you know me, you know that I love Saul, but wrong one, I ain't gonna talk about Saul who got converted to Paul on the road to Damascus. Some of y'all probably never read the Old Testament, but there's another Saul in there. He was a king. And uh, so let me tell you about him. So he had a dad, his name was Kish, not Cush. <laughs> don't act like you don't know what that is. So his dad, his his dad, he sends Saul out. He's like, yo, the donkeys ran away. Can you go find them? And I don't know about y'all, but did your mama or daddy ever send you out to go look for the dogs? My dog, his name is uh, Bolt. And you gotta holler, Bolt! You know, Anna Anna barks when she's looking for a dog out the window. (laughs) Quite comical, but I can just imagine Saul... Get ready, jackass. Listen, I ain't cussing in church. Get out of here with your religious spirit. The King James Version says that word in case you were wondering. And uh, so Samuel, I mean Saul, Samuel's later. Saul, he's out looking for the donkeys and he takes this servant to go with him and they're looking everywhere. Like they cannot find these donkeys, like for nothing. Literally go everywhere. And Saul is like, I give up, like I quit. This is, I've had enough, we can't find them. And his servant who's with him, he's like, no, no, no. Wait a minute, we need to go to the seer, which is what they called the prophets in that day. And so I'm gonna take you to 1 Samuel 9, 6. But the servant said, I've just thought of something. There is a man of God who lives here in this town. He is held in high honor by all the people because everything he says comes true. Let's go find him. Perhaps he can tell us which way to go. And Saul, he's like still not convinced, you guys. Like, he's like, this is not gonna work. This guy is not gonna be able to help us. Like, it's just not gonna happen. And so, but he agrees. He's like, okay, we can try, fine, we'll try. And so they're on the road and they see these women and they're like, yo, yo, can you give us directions to this guy, he's known as the seer, and this reminds me of that Billy Carrington song, Good Directions. If you're country girl, country boy, you've heard it. Um, and so they get directions and the ladies that they talk to, they're like, oh, he's at the city gate, he's always there. And so they make their way to the city gates and this guy, here's Samuel, this guy named Samuel starts approaching them as they're walking to the city gates. And Saul's like, yo, points to Samuel, hey do you know where the seer is? And Samuel, so casual, he's like, it's me, I'm the one. And then this like highly honored guy invites Saul and his servant to come to dinner with them that night. He's like hyping Saul up. And in 1 Samuel 9:20, it says, Samuel says, don't worry about those donkeys. They were lost, but we found them three days ago. And, and I'm here to tell you that you and your family are the focus of all of Israel's hopes. And Saul answered, and he's like, what? Not me, surely. I'm not the one you're talking about. No, he says, but am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? Is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why would you say such a thing to me? And so Saul, he seems pretty humble here, would you say? Yeah, yeah, he seems humble, seems. And so what happens next, I love this. I'm not thirsty, I swear. So Samuel, he says, um, he's about about to choose a king. And let me just like tell y'all how this works. Have you ever seen The Bachelor, anyone? Right, so it kinda goes like that. So Samuel gets all these big, big group of men and he starts narrowing it down, narrowing it down until he gets to the last one and he's like, will you accept this rose? <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> he's like, hey, you the king, you're gonna be king. And it says, and finally Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them, but when they looked for him, he had disappeared. So they asked the Lord, Where is he? And the Lord replied, He is hiding among the baggage. And so the first question I want to ask you tonight is it true humility? or is it false humility? Because a lot of times, we can think we're being humble, but running away from what the Lord has for you and hiding from your calling is not humility. Because what happens is you make it about yourself and you say, no, this was salt. I can't do it, Lord, not I. But humility says, yes, Lord, you can do it through me. That is true humility. So there's the difference I want you to see. Okay, so Saul, he's appointed as king and he's like living his best life. He's being a great king, like doing a phenomenal job. Everything's going good, but then all of a sudden he gets a command and he does not follow through. And you know, everything was good for him until he got told what to do. And everything's good for us until we get told what to do. I'm an Enneagram 8 and... uh, I don't like to be controlled, so this is especially true for me. You see, we love following Jesus until someone is like, you should probably, like, not live with your girlfriend. And then we're like, oh, yikes. Or then we love church until we realize, like, oh, you mean to tell me these people are actually going to hold me accountable? Thanks, Jake. So, um... Saul, he gets this command. His command, pretty simple if you ask me. He was told to wait for seven days for Samuel. And then together, everyone say together. Together, Together they would sacrifice a burnt offering to the Lord. But what happened was that Saul, he was with his troops, and they started getting scared. And so they start running away from him. They start hiding in caves and all over the place. And Saul's like, ah, you ever been like, ah? Oh, <laughs> so Saul's like, oh, I cannot wait any longer. I have to do this now. In 1 Samuel 13, here we go. Just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Hey. Saul went out to meet and welcome him, but Samuel said, What is this you have done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me and you didn't arrive when you said you would. And the Philistines are at McMash ready for battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal and I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. Samuel said, how foolish, you have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. And so my next question is, what is motivating you? For Saul, it was fear. So he had 3,000 men in his army, and his opponent, double the number. They had a good 6,000, it says in the Bible. And so it looked a little scary. And so maybe it's fear for you too, or maybe it's money or pressure from your parents or from society. It's so easy for us to worry and to have fear about what's next and I don't know, I know a lot of you actually are about to graduate, as am I. Woo! Let's give a little cheer for the graduates. Yay! So, I don't know, but I have just no idea what I'm doing still, and I'm graduating in April. It's fine. Literally, it's fine. And what happens is we'll take the first job we're offered just because we're fearful we won't be offered another one or we'll take that other job because they offer more money. And you know, we have to fit that timeline that the world puts on us. We gotta move out and move on. And it doesn't matter if it's disobedient to the Lord or not. We have to stick to that timeline that society sets. So Saul, he disobeys, doesn't follow the command, but the Lord, he is so gracious, amen. Amen. And the Lord gives Saul a second chance. And so his next command is to go and destroy an entire nation. First Samuel 15:3 says, Now go and completely destroy the entire. Say, entire. The entire Amicalite nation. Men, women, children, babies. Cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. And then we see what Saul does in verse nine. Saul and his men spared Agog's life, he's the king, and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs. Everything in fact that appeared to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. And so Saul, he kept what he thought he needed. He kept what was going to keep him in his comfort zone. And my next question is what are you still holding that God asked you to get rid of? Are you holding on to your anxiety because it's all you know and that's what's comfortable? Are you keeping that bitter thought in the back of your mind just in case you need it to use against that person that hurt you? Are you holding on to a relationship that needs to end? Are you holding on to an excuse? So here we are again, Saul's disobedient and I can just see Jesus like, bruh. You ever been like, bruh? I know y'all have like, why? And so of course, Jesus is not letting it go. And he goes to Samuel and he's like, get up, go confront him. And so Samuel, he wakes up the next day, he goes to Saul and I can just like feel Samuel like going to confront Saul like, ooh, I'm gonna get him today, not today, not on my watch. I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna call you out. And Saul has the audacity as Samuel is walking up. He says, as soon as he sees Samuel, may the Lord bless you. And we know good and well that if someone's like, may the Lord bless you, fake, fake, you know immediately if you got that discernment meter, it's like, ding, 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 ding. (laughs) Then he tries to tell, Saul tries to tell Samuel, I have carried out the Lord's command. And Saul, Samuel's like, no, you did not. You kept the king alive and all the animals that you wanted. And so Saul, he starts explaining it away. He starts making excuses. And he's like, well, we just like needed the animals because we needed to make a sacrifice to the Lord. And, you know, we're like, uh, well, we can have sex because we're going to get married eventually. Depression is just like a part of me because it runs in the family. Can't help it. And like, I didn't black out, so it's fine. I wasn't that drunk, don't exaggerate. Everyone else was doing it, so what's the big deal? It's fine, everything is fine. And this leads me to my next question. What are you justifying? First Samuel 15, 23 says, rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Then Saul admitted, yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command for I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. But now please forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel again, he's like, nah fam. Since you rejected the Lord's command, he's rejected you as king. So Samuel's like trying to leave, like get away from Saul. And Saul's like, wait, wait a minute. And he catches him. And he says, I know I have sinned, but please at least honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel by coming back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. So basically Saul's like, please don't tell anyone what I did. I don't want anyone to think any differently of me. So are you repentant or are you sorry that you got caught? So Saul, he was clearly just sorry that he got caught and that's why his kingship ended so early and it eventually ended his life as well but I wanna look at what happens when we're repentant. Do you guys remember that verse I read um, a little earlier at the beginning? It said, the Lord was appointing a man after his own heart. That was David, I'm sure you've heard of him. And David was phenomenal. He was a great king and then one day, sin got the best of him. I'm sure you know the story. He sees Bathsheba over on the roof taking a bath and he's like, woo, she's fun. And you know, it leads him into adultery. And so basically what happens is she gets pregnant. And so he kills baby mama's husband and he gets caught. He gets called out. And in 2 Samuel twelve thirteen, we see his response. David is confessing to Nathan. Nathan is another seer. Those seers will get you, clearly. We saw that with Samuel. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die for this sin. And so the difference was that David got back here. He got back to humility and to the place he started in with Jesus. And that's what happens to us. We start getting confident, thinking we can do this all on our own. We think we can fix it all by ourselves. We think we can heal ourselves. We think we can just work it out in our own time. And so, I wanna take you back to the image of the car and I want you to close your eyes again. So this time I don't want you to think about yourself, but I'm gonna tell you about my experience in the car. So I'm gonna put you there and I want you to come with me. So I'm driving down the road, my windows are up, my radio's off and I start sweating like not just a little, like a lot. And then all of a sudden my body, it starts going numb and I can't feel my limbs and I can't breathe. And then the enemy starts feeding me these lies. And he says, Alyssa, you're gonna die today. And he said, you're gonna do it yourself. And as the enemy was lying, every lie came. And I would rebuke it and I would say, no, 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 no. And Satan, he would say, but no one's gonna care. And I would say, no. And finally I said, Jesus, where are you? I can't see you. And I want you to open your eyes now. And that moment, I went back here It took that much for me to get back here to the place where I started. And this, and this place is where I found freedom. And this place is where I got my life back. In this place, I found true healing and restoration. And I found Jesus again in this place. In that place of humility was where I found God And so I'm going to go through those questions again, and I want you to examine your heart. I want you not to pretend like you have it all together because that's what I was doing, and I just told you where it put me. Is it true humility or is it false humility? What's motivating you? Why are you still holding what God asked you to get rid of? what are you justifying are you repentant or are you sorry that you got caught and my last question what's your position what is your posture right now in this moment and so I'm going to close here and I want all of you guys to stand you can hit the lights just for comfortability, I just want everyone to bow their head and close their eyes for the people around you. And so right now, if you've never given your life to Jesus before, I want you to raise your hand if you wanna do that tonight. If you say, Alyssa, I'm tired of trying to fix it myself. I can't do it on my own. I've lost control. If that's you, I want you to slip up your hand right now if you're giving your life to the Lord tonight. And my second second group of people, maybe you already know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you've just gotten away from that place of humility. You've just started going through the motions. You might look like you've got it all together, just like I did. You look like you got it all together on the outside, but on the inside, you're broken. And Jesus knows. He sees your heart. I want All of you who say that you're broken, you're sick of going through the motions, you wanna get back to the place where you started with the Lord just right now as a prophetic act, I want you to come up here and I want you to bow before the Lord in humility and it's gonna take humility to walk up here and it's gonna take even more to put yourself in that posture. And on my left and my right, our prayer team is gonna be up here and I'll be up here too, but I want you to come back to where you started, and I don't want you to miss it. Like I said at the beginning, my goal is for you to have a personal encounter with Jesus, and this is your chance here at this altar. We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church podcast.